It's time now to get the hell out of your life. A weekly broadcast with real people sharing real struggles and offering real hope. Today's show will encourage, inspire, and empower you to face life's challenges with a bold confidence and renewed hope. Now, let's join our host, Ron Myers, the promoter. Hello, my friends. It is so good to be with you. I'm glad I'm here. I was driving to the studio, and I swear I thought I was on the highway to hell. I've never seen so many people driving crazy in such a hurry to really go nowhere. Now, if we would all be in a hurry to get the hell out of our life, can you imagine the life that all of us would be living? My guest today, he was on the highway to hell, Kelby McNabb. But then this bald-headed white dude came into his life. He spoke life into Kelby. And today, Kelby is not only off the highway to hell, he is speaking life into millions of people across the world with his story. And you are going to be blessed, and he will share with you today how to get off the highway to hell and on the road to your destiny. Kelby, I'm so glad that you are visiting with us today. How are you doing? Hey, Ron, doing pretty well, doing pretty well. Well, Kelby, I believe a lot of people are going to get off the highway to hell today by hearing your amazing story. So, Kelby, what is your story? First of all, thank you so much. That means that means the world to me. It, it, I mean, where do I start? That's 17 really is where it all shifted for me. You know, I'm the oldest of seven boys, mom, you know, single mom, didn't really have a father figure. To be honest, I didn't even really get to know my, my father till probably like late teenage years. And, and even then, it was kind of very distant and, and not really a great relationship. So, you know, I was kind of the man of the household, and, and so to speak. And just one decision led to another, and, and it just started going downhill. And it first started with me really just experimenting with drugs. You know, I dropped out of high school, I think 17. I moved down to South Carolina. And then when I got here, I just I just really just wasn't doing nothing with my time, smoking weed all day and hanging out with the wrong people, you know, trying to prove myself to somebody, really trying to find some significance. And I'll share this story. It was me and my friends at the time, and we were drunk. We're on Xanax and literally just out of our minds. And it was like one o'clock in the morning, and we were walking down the street, and we just had this idea of just breaking into something. And it was literally a church right across the street uh, from where we were walking. And we said, you know, let's just let's go kick that door in, and uh, ran inside the church. And all we were doing was just scrumming through stuff, being being stupid, vandalizing things. What happened? We didn't know this. But a neighbor heard us and they called the cops. We see some headlights flash in the windows of the church. You know, it's one o'clock in the morning. We're like, what is going on? We peek outside and all we heard was, hey, you. And it was officers just lined up in their patrol cars, um, immediately freak out. And we go run back inside. I actually remember kind of taking off and um, getting tackled by a cop. But I definitely remember being hit in the back of the head. And then they released a canine into the church. Uh, where my buddies were and uh, had the dog actually bite one of them and drag him out. And so it was a crazy situation. We ended up getting in a lot of trouble for that, but that was just the first of many. I bonded out. My mother bonded me out. Um, God bless her. She's such an amazing woman. Tried to do her best with what she had and with me. And uh, literally four weeks later, I'm doing it again. I'm back on a rampage. I'm back on Xanax and smoking weed and drinking. And this time commit another felony. That happened twice. And the last time the judge looked at me, I was 17 and now I'm getting charged as an adult. I got six felonies, like eight misdemeanors now. And the judge looked at me and said, Kelby, I'm not letting you out again. Every time we let you out, 
you, you get back in trouble. So you're going to stay here in this jail cell. And I'll never forget because I had my 18th birthday in Pickens County Jail here in South Carolina. And while I was in there, one day a guard comes up and says, Kelby, you have a visitor. This happened to be one of the non-visitation days. So I was very surprised when he said, you got a visitor. So of course, I've got nothing to do. I went ahead and said, all right, let's, let me go check this out. I go to the visitation room and there's this bald-headed white dude on the other side of this glass screen. And uh, I never met this man before in my life. And I sit down to talk with him and he starts talking with me. First, he's asking me how am I doing and, and um, you know, sharing with me a little bit about who he is. And then he starts talking about Jesus. You know, I've always known about Christ and God. I've, I've definitely felt like I've always like been a believer. I knew there was something bigger out there. Um, I, I just wrestled with, I guess, believing uh, Jesus. And so he started talking to me a little bit and I kind of shut it down to me. I was like, look, dude. Like one of the reasons I'm in here is because I was breaking into churches, not for me. I know God's real. I know that, but not for me, not right now. I need to get my life in, in together first, and then maybe I can pursue this Jesus thing. And then he shared with me a story about Saul to Paul, how God transformed that man's life and used him to bring so much glory and honor to his name. And it really touched me, man. It really, like, I'll never forget it. It was like hope was deposited in my heart at that moment, you know, and I had this idea that, okay, maybe, um, maybe I don't have to be like this. Maybe this isn't the end. Maybe this isn't going to be my life. Uh, maybe I can really change and maybe I can really get help changing. Like get this God who helped Saul could help me. And he gave me this new believers Bible. And I went back to my jail cell and immediately just kind of opened that thing up and started reading, started reading the red word, the words of Jesus. And I'll never forget because I ran across the passage where Jesus was telling um in the crowd, I believe, he said, don't let your right hand know what your left hand is doing. Um, and he was talking about giving. And, you know, at the time in the jailhouse that I was in, there was a lot of meth addicts in there. And uh, these guys would come in there, beat up, super skinny, you know, hadn't slept in four or five days. Um, and I would just feel so sorry. And so I would uh, literally at nighttime, 12, one o'clock in jail, I would run around and, and throw some noodles under their mat. So when they wake up, they have something to eat or I don't know, something. And um, it was really inspired because of that verse and because of the words of Jesus. And so I started putting these things into practice while I was in jail and really devoting myself to learning and devoting myself to uh, becoming better and pursuing this life that God had predestined for us through Christ. That didn't stop me from having to go through the consequences of my decisions. When, uh, when it came time for me to finally um, be charged with whatever was going to happen for me, whatever the court decided to happen to me as a discipline. It could have been a lot worse. I only got sent down the road for eight months. So I had to go spend eight months in prison in, in Columbia, South Carolina. And then, uh, then I came home and I was on five years parole and it was a very strict parole. When I got home, I didn't want to go back. And I knew what I had experienced in jail was something significant and something real. And so I reached out to this bald headed white guy again. And uh, just wanted to kind of see what he's up to and uh, talk to him. And so we formed a little bit of a relationship. We would go and have lunch together and talk about things. And, you know, I would bring my challenges to him and I would debate with him on certain, you know, I guess, theological stuff and just what I was wrestling with. And he would always kind of give me his ear and uh, just listen and provide value and, and just kind of walk through with me uh, this journey and, and getting to know Christ. Um, but it didn't stop there, man. You know, a couple of years later, I lost a brother, 16 years old, was drinking and driving in Powdersville. 
South Carolina and uh, wrecked his vehicle, lost his life. And then just a year later, I lost an older brother um, who I looked up to a lot, who uh, I lived with for a while. Um, he was shot in a gang drive-by. He was a very big blood member. He was uh, 24 years old, was shot in the heart uh, during the drive-by, died on the spot on the scene. And so I was, I was really just in a really messed up place um, with a lot of questions, a lot of doubt. And alcohol became one of my best friends again. And um, this time it was worse, you know, drinking every day. I remember uh, my supervisor catching me a couple of times with alcohol in my breath and just sending me straight home. But he loved me and cared for me so much. He didn't want to fire me. And that was really grace. He would tell me, can we just go home? What inevitably ended up happening is I caught a DUI. And then I then another month later, I caught another DUI. And then a month later, I was drinking and driving again. And I ran into someone's house, crashed into their wall, um, told them my vehicle and everything. I made a newspaper. It was terrible. Here I am now, three DUIs. I got a hit and run. I'm already a felon. This is my fourth year on parole. Life's just like a mess. Um, I didn't keep my relationship with that guy who came and visited me in prison. I'm in a situation where I'm feeling hopeless again. I remember being on this railroad just walking. It's right by my house, and I'm just walking, and I'm, I'm contemplating life, and I'm honestly, I'm bawling my eyes out and just begging for help from God because I don't know what's going to happen. My mom's tired of it. Everyone's kind of like, you know, this, this is just going to be this kid's life. And, and I didn't even know what to do. And I remember sitting down this railroad and really praying, God, please help me. In that moment, I really felt God speak to me and say, Kelby, I still love you. And I'm going to use you for my name. And uh, it was such a reassuring um, comfort and a loving voice. And I went back home and I told my mom, I said, you know, I, I want to go to a rehab. And she said, well, there's this place called Home with the Heart. It has a couple of thrift stores that I like shopping at. They have a men's rehabilitation. And uh, you can you can try them out. So I went up there and I talked to the director, Mr. Alex, and I just gave him my whole story. This rehab was like borderline like house on the prairie, straight farm. <laughs> All he relied on was two things. Number one, just getting you away from your environment and getting you into Jesus and really relying on him to save you. And so he said, you know what, Kelby, come on in. We got a bed for you. 60 days. It's going to be free. We're not going to charge you a thing. You come on in here. We're going to help you. And I did. I went in. and. Um, changed my life completely. To this day, one of the most greatest experiences I've ever had was stepping foot into that rehabilitation center. And I promise you, there was nothing fancy about it. It was literally, um, you worked probably eight hours a day at a third store. You would do chores around the house and you got preached to three times a day at a minimum. Uh, I, I think really what happened was at that point when I stepped in, I was so ready to leave my old life alone and embrace this new life that God met me in that place. And I graduated. And um, that was, I think, 2016 when I left there. And my life has been completely changed. As soon as I left, I said, I got to go find this uh, this bald-headed white dude that came and visited me when I was 17 in jail. And apparently, he had started his own church now. Uh, he was a pastor at the time when he visited me. I still did not know why he came and visited me until uh, a couple of years ago, he finally told me that the detective that was over my case said that there was something unique about this kid and that he reached out to him to come up here and speak to me. Wow. And so I reached out to him and I was like, what is he doing? And all this stuff. And he said, he's starting a church and it was in a mall. And uh, I said, you know what? I want to, you know, I want to come be a part of that. And I did, I got connected there and I stayed connected with him and I stayed connected with church. And I really, I really did my best to devote myself, not only just to believing, but to now living the life that God has called me to live, abstaining from 
the pleasures that I used to indulge myself in, removing bad friendships, removing myself out of toxic environments, removing bad music out of my life. I really wanted to live a holy and purposeful life that God has called me to. And I was really, because my way was ruining it. And I just completely, it was, it was very obvious that whatever my way was, it definitely wasn't working. So I, like, let me give this a try. Life hasn't been the same. I literally met my wife there, met my wife in, in, in Bible study one night. And then two years later, I become his youth pastor. He had no idea that he was talking to his youth pastor through that glass door six years earlier. Today, I, I, I run a company with about 15 employees um, who serve churches and nonprofits all over the world. You know, I get to lead now as almost like an associate pastor in our church. And, and my message, this story has reached over 13 million people. Kelby, right now, there are a lot of people that drugs, alcohol, the pleasures of life, have you said, that is the only thing that they know because that numbs the pain in their life. So Mm. somebody listening right now, they say, well, you know, that's that Kelby and that Jesus thing. That's not for me. What would you tell that person? I totally get that, that mindset. But here's what I would say. Give it a try. You have nothing to lose. And if you really, really, really don't want to live the life you're living, like deep down inside, if you have any uh, uh, inch of hunger for a better life, just give it a try, right? Don't knock it. Don't knock it just yet. Don't say that could happen to him, but that'll never happen to me because that was that same mindset that I had at that time. The truth is the same grace that was given to me, the same grace that was given to you, Ron, can also be given to them and it's available. All we got to do is just take that step. Amen. And, and Kelby, sometimes I tell people that there's a verse in the Bible that says that nobody comes to the Father until the Father draws them. That, That's right. And I tell them, yeah. listen, you're going to have to go through more hell. And one of these days, you're going to have so much hell in your life that you will call out to God. And some mm. of them, you know, smirk and oh, I don't know about that. But sometimes we have to hit bottom. We have to see right. the world collapse before we reach for help. What do you think? That's so true. You know, you know, I had an MMA instructor who um, really, really dear in my life, trained with him for about eight years. And he used to always tell me, Kelby, pain is a very cruel teacher, but she is very good. She will get you to learn. And sometimes it takes that for some people. I really hate that it does, but sometimes it takes excruciating and really a lot of pain for people to finally realize, like, wait a minute, this can't be what life's about. This can't be why I was sent here. Well, God um, will take our pain and turn it into his purpose. All, amen. We, all we have to do is surrender. That's right. You're having fun, aren't you? I mean, I really am. I'm going to be honest with you, Ron. Now, my life has completely flipped. Um, that person that was in bondage to drugs and Xanax and blunts and liquor, I don't even know him like that. It's absolutely fun. It's absolutely amazing. And the truth is, you know what I really love is when I get to tell people, like when they ask me, like, oh, yeah, like, like. Um, you know, what college did you go through? Or they want to know a little bit about my background. And then it's like, surprise. Like, and I tell them really <laughs> the truth. Yeah. And they're just like, what? There was grace in my life. And uh, that's something up above. God was looking after me. You know, Kelby, you said something a minute ago. It reminds me back to my before Jesus days when it was all about sex, drugs, and rock and roll. But a lot <laughs> of it was based on looking for that love, looking for that acceptance. Do you think a lot of the people that are struggling nowadays with drugs and alcohol, that the foundational reason in their life is they just absolutely feel love? Absolutely. I'll give you a good example. The reason why alcohol became so addicting to me, it brought me significance. It made me feel important or 
it made me get attention, which I was really secretly craving. And I think a lot of people, maybe not all, but a lot of people also want that. They want to be known, to be known and to know. For me, it was just like, I, I, was, I always thought I was just this poor black kid who was just another stereotype and no one's ever going to see you as anything more than just this. And so I was secretly longing to get attention and show off and to kind of just like, you know, be different. But I didn't know how to meet that need. And so alcohol and drugs helped me meet that need. Um, yeah. Sounds like you're addicted to Jesus now. That's right. Amen, that's right. brother. I mean, literally, that's right. Jesus sets us free. It really does. He gets you to stop thinking about yourself and making the world just about you, which is a huge, huge thing. It really is. It's yeah. just a beautiful journey once we start. And that's the thing is once we start and a lot of people will look at people like you and I that have had troubles. And then we went over to Jesus and they say, well, that was that's just because you're weak and that's a crutch. And I said, mm -hmm. no, it's it's maybe it was my I was weak before I met Christ, but now I'm strong through Christ. And he's opened my eyes. He's opened my mind. And I see things now I didn't see. And I can reach people that I could have never reached because now as a young black man growing up, you can go now into a black community, especially within in your community, and you can talk to gang people. You can talk to people on drugs and you become right. relatable to them. Have you found that? Absolutely. I mean, I literally just uh, got to go speak at the Fatherhood Coalition. I think it was a bunch of young teenagers, majority of them African-American, uh, at least 70, 80 percent African-American. They're all between 15 and 17 and they're on probation for bringing guns to school, catching charges. And, and I get to speak to those guys. And I really try to um, resonate with them and allow them to see, listen, I didn't graduate high school. I didn't go to college. I didn't like grow up in like this great household. To be honest, I was living in a shed in the backyard. Those little buildings you see on the side of the road where it's like rent to own. We would get one of those. We would insulate it. We would run an extension cord out there. Um, and that's where, you know, I would live. So like, Absolutely. And uh, I try to keep that perspective still. I try to hold on to that because I know how much, how important that is. You know, I, I'll say this. I love this story so much and I like to share it. But one day, and you probably heard this, one day there was a man who was doing his best, but he fell into a hole. He was trying to get out of this hole and he was trying to climb up the sides and he still couldn't get out and he was giving all he had and uh, there was no hope. And so he would just sit down there and yell for help and help and help. And no one would hear him. But one day uh, a doctor walked by and peeked in the hole and seen him down there and said, hey, man, what are you doing down there? He said, I mean, I've been here for a while. Like no one I've been crying out for help. No one's helped me. And um, I, I, I don't know what to do. And the doctor says, here, well, uh, take take this prescription, take three of these a day and uh, this will help you get out of this hole. So he draw, he gives them to him and he tries that and he's still stuck in the hole and he doesn't get out. And and a couple more, some time goes on and, and he's defeated, still stuck in this hole. And he hears somebody walk across the top again. And this time, this time it's a pastor, a preacher. And uh, this priest comes by and says, hey, man, what are you doing down in this hole? And, and he says, um, man, look, I've been here for a while now. I, I've been talking to the doctor. I've been yelling for help. Nothing's helping me. And so the pastor says, here, look, here's a Bible. Just read this. Read this, get to know this, and this will help you get out of here. And uh, the man spends hours reading and spends time reading this, and he's still stuck, and he still doesn't help him get out. So this guy's now just hopeless at this point, just withering away, dying. One day, this man is walking across the top of this platform or this hole, peeks down in there and says, Hey, buddy, what are you doing in this hole? And he says, listen, man, just go ahead and go on. Like, let me just let me just be here and die, and, and, and you go and live your life. He said, I've done had the doctor. I've done had people pray for me. I've done did everything I can to try to get out this hole. So the man doesn't say nothing. He just walks off. 
and the guy in the hole just accepts it. Then all of a sudden, he hears a loud thump right behind him. And he turns around, and this man done jumped in the hole with him. And he says, what are you doing, you idiot? We're both now stuck in this hole. Didn't I just tell you I've been here for forever, and I've tried everything? Now we're both in this hole. And the guy looks at him, and he smiles, and he says, don't worry. I know the way out. That's an awesome story. In other words, you're going out and you're speaking life into individuals. You're speaking hope into individuals. And, you know, sometimes I found, Kelby, that when I was in trouble, I just needed someone to deposit some hope or see something in me that I didn't see in myself. And that was the spark. That was the spark that I said, boy, how can you see that in me when I don't see it in myself? Well, I can see it through you because I'm looking at you through the eyes of Jesus. And that's, that's good. I believe this is the greatest time ever to be a Christian, especially one that wants to go out and help people. The Bible says that the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. There's not a lot of people. Mm. They, they want to get the, they want to get the tattoo that says, I love Jesus. They want to get the cross around the neck and the little sticker on the back of the car that says honk if you love Jesus, but they don't want to go out and do the work. It sounds like you're yeah. out there and wanting to do the work. And God is so proud of what you're doing, Kelby. And I can sure. see why you reach 13 million people on social media and why people are listening to your messages because you really connect with them. And I appreciate your passion and your love so much because it's contagious. Well, that means the world to me, Ron. It really does. You know, um, it's always what the enemy uses. Uh, when I, when I go to lay down at night is you're really not helping nobody or, you know, are you even really doing what, what you, what, you can do or you know all this is in vain no one's going to really listen to you or believe you amen brother and, um, <laughs> I've, just, been, I've been there done that i got the t-shirt i know exactly what you're saying <laughs> but we we know whose we are and we are That's in right. the hands of jesus and we are more than conquerors kelby will you give my listeners a kelby mcnab pep talk if you're a parent and um, maybe you have a kid who is struggling with drugs and alcohol and you see them taking this path that we that I just shared with you guys about and that me and Ron has been talking about. You know, I know how difficult that can be. Um, and I wish there was just a one answer solution that will help you feel better about all of this and solve the problem. Um, you know, I ponder so much on Mary, the mother of Jesus, and how much she had to endure when she made the decision in her head to let her baby boy go into the world to be abused, mistreated, the uncertainty that she had to bear of knowing that she's going to let Jesus, her son, go, right? And she gave it to God. I first want to kind of challenge the parents out there with that. I really do. I want, because I know how much that stress can be. I know I've seen my mom go through every phone call after those those times where it's always filled with anxiety because you never know if it's a detective, if it's a state trooper saying your son is dead, or if it's something like that. I want you to first know that God cares for you. He really does. Your prayers matter. He is fighting for your child. He is fighting for you. Go to him. Really pursue that. Get connected with a body of believers who also have gone through what you're going through. You know, one thing is that the enemy wants us to feel alone, wants us to feel like this has only happened to us because we're bad parents or we're bad people. But that's not the case at all. This is happening to a lot of people. A lot of believers are having to go through this. So I just want to say that for for the parents out there and, and for Anybody out there who may be listening to this now and you're the one wrestling with kind of the addiction or the drugs and or the just the life of sin and, and just of selfishness, it ain't worth it. 
there's not a, there's not a pill you're going to take that's going to immediately change everything. You know, I told my story in this last 20, 25 minutes. That was over the span of, well, eight to 10 years. You know, I left rehab six years ago. Uh, it's not going to happen overnight. And the number one thing when someone comes to me and asks, you know, what, what do I need? I always say you have to have hunger. You have to have yeah, something yeah. inside of you that wants a better, that wants something better, that wants more, that wants what God has pre- like destined for you in Christ, right? You were not sent here to just live a life of working every day and just misery and making drugs and taking drugs to feel better. That was not the life he had planned for you. So you've got to have a hunger inside um, that wants that. And you've got to keep that hunger there because there's going to be times when you're going to try, you're going to be sober for two weeks and then slip up, or you're going to try and then uh, you're going to fail. You might fail over and over and over again, but listen to me, don't let that be the end. You get up and you keep trying. Don't let someone call you a, a hypocrite because this is your eighth time trying to get this right. You keep pursuing, you keep moving forward, and I promise you grace will meet you there. I promise you, if you really put him first, you say, God, I believe you, I trust you, I want to give you my whole life, not just part of it. I don't want to just say I believe, but now I want to actually take that and, and make it real in my life. I want to do things for you. I want to behave differently, and I need your help. He will show up. I promise you, he will show up. Um, Kelby, that, that is awesome. Now, listen, how do people connect with you? Facebook, obviously, is a great, great way. I mean, I, I almost answer every message on Facebook. Ron, that's how I got to meet you and Amen. talk with you. Uh, I'm very, I take that very seriously. So Facebook, Kelby McNabb, K-E-L-B-Y-M-C-N-A-B. Same thing, Instagram, it's Kelby McNabb. Um, and same thing on my YouTube channel, Kelby McNabb. But I would primarily say Facebook is um, probably one of my most engaged platforms where I spend a lot of time, especially talking with people. And One last thing before we go. How do you get the hell out of your life? I love that title. Listen, I think um, I think you got to pursue heaven and keep yeah. heaven the mind and, and heaven uh, the goal. And what inevitably I believe will happen is hell will just get left behind when you make heaven first. <laughs> I like yeah. that. Leave hell behind. I might have to be a sequel to my next show. <laughs> get the hell out of your life. Leave hell behind. I love it. I want to thank you so much. Thank you for sharing your story. Thank you for being faithful to the call in your life. And uh, tell your wife, hi, what's your wife's name? Adrian. Her name is Adrian. And I'll definitely let her know that uh, you said, hey. And, and again, Ron, thank you. You know, I, I don't take this for granted. I really don't. Amen, brother. And I appreciate it. You're welcome. Thank you. Thanks for listening. And remember, it's all about Jesus. Get the Hell Out of Your Life is produced by Ron Myers Productions and is underwritten by the Christmas City Gift Show. We invite you to come shop with over 250 exhibitors from all over the South. November 11th through the 13th inside the Convention Center on the beach in Biloxi, Mississippi. You can find more information at ChristmasCityGiftShow.com. If you would like to share your story or listen to previous episodes, please visit our website, thepromoter.org. Join us next week for another episode of Get the Hell Out of Your Life. Real stories, real struggles, and real hopes. Your Messenger with Jordan St. Cyr and Ryan Ellis. Compassion International presents the Wholehearted Tour. With We Are Messengers. I need great. Plus, Jordan St. Cyr and Ryan Ellis. Tickets available at wearemessengersmusic.com. Coming to Bill Ford October 1st. For more information, log on to thepromoter.org.